Hello everybody, welcome back to Demimond's Paranormal Podcast. As usual, I'm your host Tori from Demimond Paranormal. And before we get into t- tonight's episode, I want to wish you guys a very, very happy New Year's. Happy 2022. 2022, I hope it's full of magic and promise and prosperity and hope wealth, health, and happiness, and all that good stuff, and I hope you guys' holiday season went well, I hope you guys' Christmas, Hanukkah, and everything in between was pleasant, and it was enjoyful, and all that good stuff, but for tonight, I have a more historical episode that we're going to be listening to tonight, This is the history of Stonehenge. Now, as you may have guessed it, tonight's episode is not particularly scary or spooky. It's more of a history lesson. A history lesson that can be linked to paganism. And as we know, paganism through the years was linked to witchcraft. But for tonight's episode... We will be traveling to Wiltshire, England, southern England, for the construction and the purpose of the, or or the supposed purpose and the supposed construction of the mysterious Stonehenge. So I hope you guys enjoy (laughs) this episode and say hello to my cat, Chloe, in the background. She's been very vocal in these last few days and hope you guys enjoy this episode and we'll get right down to it hello and welcome to dummy mind paranormal podcast i'm your host tori from dummy mind paranormal on facebook.com On Facebook, we are a private paranormal group that discusses all things paranormal and supernatural. That includes ghosts and hauntings, especially different types of hauntings and ghosts. That includes residual hauntings and intelligent hauntings. We also talk about dark history. We talk about witches, witchcraft, vampires from all around the world, folklore, dark folklore, We talk about werewolves, we talk about aliens, Bigfoot, anything supernatural we'll talk about here on Demimond Paranormal. But as I mentioned earlier, tonight's episode isn't necessarily scary or spooky. This is more of a history lesson, and I find this really fascinating. I mean, when I was doing my research for it, y'all, I was completely immersed in it. It took me a few hours over a couple days to get the research done, and I wanted to, you know, get the facts straight and, you know, keep in the most fascinating, important tidbits in, because I've got to say, it's the, it's one of the, it's one of the most famous world mysteries out here. So, have any of you guys ever been lucky enough to visit Stonehenge in Wiltshire? southern England, on Salisbury Plain. 
I like how I'm actually waiting for you guys to answer me. <laughs> but write in if you guys have ever been able to visit there and tell me your experiences. I mean, you may have noticed something out of the ordinary or you may have discovered something such as some type of residual energy that has been there for thousands of years. That would be really fascinating to learn about. So if any of you guys have ever visited there, let me know and tell me how it was because I'm eager. I would like to know, really. But let's get right to the facts. So, I got a, a few questions here that's going to give us what is Stonehenge in a nutshell. So, our first question that's answered already is, where is Stonehenge? Stonehenge is located on Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, southern England. When was it built? Around 3000 BC to 1530 BCE. And the building became the building of Stonehenge took around 400 years. Now, who built it? It's unclear who built Stonehenge per se, but it was modified by different groups of people over periods of time. Archaeological evidence suggests that the first modifications were done by Mesolithic hunters and gatherers. Also, as DNA research suggests, these hunter and gatherers, the builders of Stonehenge, were buried near Stonehenge, and they may have come from the Mediterranean, and they also may have come from just outside of England in countries such as Wales or the British Isles. What was it built from? Stonehenge was built from a type of silicified stone sandstone called sandstone that is found in England and is also made from bluestone which is especially extracted in western Wales. Now bluestone is a dolomite variation. So here are some Stonehenge purpose in the, some theories on Stonehenge's purposes. The purpose of this circular monument has been the subject of speculation for many, many, many years. Ideas of its intended use still arise in the 21st century. English 17th century antiquarian John Aubrey and 18th century archaeologist William Stuckley both believed that the monument was a Druid temple. However, this theory has been rejected by more recent scholars. Furthermore, Stonehenge has been found to have predated the Druids by at least 2,000 years, as recorded by Julius Caesar. An American scientist in 1963 proposed that the intended function of Stonehenge was that of a type of computer. Now, this computer was able to predict both lunar and solar eclipses. Other scientists have even attributed astronomical capabilities to Stonehenge. However, many of these speculations have been rejected by other experts. Then, in 1973, an English archaeologist by the name of Colin Renfrew hypothesized that Stonehenge was the center of a confederation of the Bronze Age chiefdoms, 
but other archaeologists believe that the structure may have served as an intersection of sorts between adjacent prehistoric territories. It serves as a seasonal gathering place during the 3rd and 4th millennia BCE for groups living in the lowlands both in the east and west. Interestingly enough, in 1998, an archaeologist from Madagascar by the name of Ramalazmina, he believed that the purpose of Stonehenge was that of a monument dedicated to the ancestral dead and the permanence of the stones represent eternal afterlife. According to some folklore, however, Stonehenge was built by Merlin, who was a wizard of Arthurian legend. He, he could magically transport massive stones from Ireland and giants assembled them. In other folklore, the Danes assembled Stonehenge, and in other accounts of folklore, Stonehenge is merely the ruins of a Roman temple. Modern-day interpretations of Stonehenge include it being a landing strip for a mine for a spacecraft that means something where aliens can park their ships and get out and you know probe and study us humans basically that's what some people believe and even they think that you know i just want to know how they think aliens built stonehenge they also think that the aliens built the pyramids of egypt too but how can I, I just don't see how they can take themselves seriously with that hypothesis. Furthermore, some believe that Stonehenge is actually a giant fertility symbol, as some believe that it is shaped like a female genitalia. Archaeological investigations began as far back as the 1660s, and as we stated before, it was first surveyed by antiquarian John Aubrey, who was wrongly credited, who wrongly credited the building of Stonehead to the Druids, who came much later. John Aubrey believed that it was a religious center presided over by Druid priests. There is a fairly new theory suggesting that Stonehenge served as a prehistoric lord's or a place of healing. This theory suggests that there might have been even believed that the smaller blue stones that are inside Stonehenge, and we'll get to that more in a little bit, but the smaller blue stones was believed to have healing powers. Furthermore, with forensic evidence, a skeleton was found near the vicinity of Stonehenge with an apparent knee injury. However, this theory has had met some backlash in regards to other remains that were found in the area which had no odd medical ailments or injuries found. On the other hand, in 2008, the excavations of Stonehenge did unearth bodies or remains from the Bronze Age that did display boned deformities in that area. So, as you may have noticed, there's a lot of going back and forth with theories. I mean, one theory might prove one point, and then another, another theory will completely disregard that, but it will bring out another point that could possibly be true. 
and it's just it just it's almost like a tug of war almost and that's why Stonehenge in my personal opinion is one of the greatest mysteries this earth will ever see probably Mike Parker Pearson was the co-leader in the Stonehenge Riverside Project that was partly founded by the National Geographic Society, and Mike Parker Pearson is from Sheffield University. um, Discoveries made by the team supported Mike Parker Pearson's theory that Stonehenge was a place of ancestor worship, linked by the River Avon, its two ceremonial venues, in a matching wooden circle nearby Darrington Walls. Now, if you guys don't know what Darrington Walls is, Darrington Walls is a nicknamed, it's nicknamed Superhenge and is located only two miles away from Stonehenge. It is a Neolithic large settlement that is part of the Stonehenge World Heritage Site. The site is thought to be a place where feasts and rituals were held also. It was a place for those looking for shelter. In today's world, Darrington Walls is home to sheep and cattle. It was used around 6000 BCE to 1600 BCE. And it is a large circular shallow valley connected to Stonehenge. The two circles represented both permanent and temporary structures symbolized the domains of the living and the dead. Mike Parker Pearson theorizes that Stonehenge is a spirit home to the ancestors. He also believes that Stonehenge is not an isolated monument, but that one that is a stone counterpart to a timber counterpart. Mike also stated that he believes that Stonehenge appears to have been associated with burials since its earliest existence. So, now we're on to the building of Stonehenge and how they may have done it. So, as you may have guessed or what we're getting at, Stonehenge may have been merely a place of burial, a cemetery, a place to bring the dead and the cremated. Many modern schoolers would at least agree that Stonehenge was at one point associated with burial. That's one aspect of it. We're going to jump back a bit to the construction of the monument. This was at a time when civilization didn't even have the wheel yet to work with. So how was it built? The prehistoric Britons were thought to have used primitive tools to help them build a large circular ditch and bank or a henge. These tools were thought to have been made from deer antlers and bones. Now this is the first stage of the construction of Stonehenge. It came in three stages, and there were years apart from one another. Hundreds of years. Deep pits that were found inside the circle of what we know of Stonehenge are called Aubrey Holes, a credit to John Aubrey who discovered them. These holes may have been may have held timber posts at one point according to some scholars. As for the stones, now we're talking about the blue stones right now on the inside of the circle. As for the stones, many geologists, scholars, and scientists believe that in the glacier theory, now 
the glacier theory is, in a nutshell, it's when the, gl- the globe is dotted with huge, massive stones known as glacial erratics, erratics that are carried long distances through moving ice flows. Some believe that the massive stones used to form Stonehenge came from the Priscilla Hills in western Wales. They were moved by glaciers during the Ice Ages, or one of the Ice Ages. Most archaeologists aren't too sold on this theory, however. They question how just enough stones made it to Salisbury Plains to erect Stonehenge. Also, for the Welsh indigenous blue stones that sit on the inside of the circle, they may have actually made the distance through flows as well. In the 1970s, geologists challenged the classic idea of industrious Britons hauling, rolling, and pushing and carting huge blue stones from Wales. These Saracen stones weigh more than 40 tons and they can stand up to 24 feet. These Saracen stones which sit on the outside of the circle are likely sourced from quarries that were 25 miles away from Stonehenge. It's believed that these massive stones were hauled to the plain using ropes and sledges. Furthermore, the stones may have been scattered all throughout the vicinity of Stonehenge right before the ancient Britons broke ground there to even begin building Stonehenge. With the blue stones and the smaller blue stones that were thought to have came from the Priscilla Hills in Wales, they weigh about four tons, and they are originally thought to have hauled those back a back-breaking 200 miles using sledges and rollers made of tree trunks. They then put the boulders onto rafts and simply allowed them to flow up along the coast of Wales and into the River Avon towards Salisbury Plain. In a more recent hypothesis, they may have used huge or supersized wicker baskets or a combination of ball bearings, long grooved planks, and a healthy team of oxen. After several hundred years after the Saracen stones were laid out to create the outer ring of Stonehenge, about 80 Welsh blue stones were added and hoisted up into a standing position in a horseshoe formation. About only 43 of these blue stones are still standing today. It was 2000 BC when the Saracen slabs were added, formatted into a crescent shape, an outer ring if you will. Some of these stones are arranged in an iconic formation, the three-piece structures known as trilithons, which stand tall in the center of the Stonehenge. Fifty Saracen stones are visible today, however. Stonehenge is thought to have contained many more. Radiocarbon dating suggests that the building of Stonehenge continued until 1600 BC with the blue stones periodically being moved or repositioned multiple times. So, what do you guys think Stonehenge really was? 
Do you think it served as a some type of astronomical computer? Do you believe it was just some burial place or a final resting place? Or do you think it was something else? Do you think it served as a cross a crossroads or an intersection between territories of ancient chiefdoms? You let me know. Honestly, I have no clue what it was. But I'm open to suggestions because the more I read about it, the more my mind reels on what it could have been. The facts surrounding the intended function and construction seem to remain in a shadowy. They seem to remain shadowy regarding Stonehenge. Historians believe that it was a place of great importance for over a thousand years. It's thought to be even in today's world that we might not never, we might never know what brought these early Britons to Salisbury Plain to start construction. What was their inspiration? Why did they do it? There is strong archaeological evidence that was used, as we said before, as a burial site. But some others believe that Stonehenge was used as a religious pilgrimage destination, a ceremonial site, or a final resting place for royalty, and even a monument dedicated to honor, or a place to spiritually connect with your ancestors, ancient ancestors. And once again, I'm going to remind you guys of Gerald Hawkins, the American who suggested that Stonehenge acted as an astronomical computer. That could protect, that could protect solstices, equinoxes, and eclipses. The suggestion also proposed that the megalithic stones acted as an astronomical calendar with different points corresponding with astronomical phenomena. His theory attracted a lot of attention. However, researchers and scholars and critics rejected this hypothesis and they believed that these ancient Britons did not have the proper knowledge of astronomical events and therefore they could not predict any eclipses, solstices, or equinoxes. Also, as we may know if you guys live in England, it is very cloudy and rainy in England, so it was probably nearly impossible to be able to look up into the sky and see with clarity what's going on up there because of all the rain and the clouds and it it would just be a mess. Kind of like it is here for us. It's always cloudy. Many historians and archaeologists believe that there are so many tribes connected with Stonehenge. Sorry for getting tongue-tied there, y'all. The first stage of construction Stonehenge is thought to be by achieving Mesolithic people that are, negative to, that are native to the British Isles. Several different tribes of native, native people took a part in building Stonehenge over its construction. As we said before, its construction took at least 400 years. 
and this theory is supported by the remains and tolls that are found on the site of Stonehenge. Some believe that the people from the European continent are attributed to the building at Stonehenge, while many, many other scientists believe that it was mostly ancient Britons who built Stonehenge. During the 17th and 18th century, Druids made journeys to Stonehenge to hold ceremonies and rituals in honor of the winter and summer solstices. They eventually adopted Stonehenge into their history. The Druids valued peace, harmony, nature, and they still do. To this day, people who answer as Druids travel to Stonehenge, along with many, many other people from all around the world, do celebrate the solstices. Druids are Celtic pagans who have celebrated the return of the sun for centuries. The first Druids were pre-Celtics that inhabited Britain. Interestingly enough, the prehistoric tomb of at Newgange in Ireland and the Great Carn of Maze Howe in Oakney, Scotland, are associated with the winter solstice, and they both received Druid visitors for the mid for the midwinter celebrations. So that is the history of Stonehenge. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And if you guys want to continue to our next segment. Where I read you guys a quick little spooky poem. That I found on hauntedbritain.com. Haunted Britain in Ireland. Called. Sis, called. Oh Mary's Ghost. A pathetic ballad by Thomas Hood. Follow me there. And if not, I will see you guys in the outro. And you guys can just skip past that point. But if you would like to hear a spooky little ghost story, follow me to the next part. Hello and welcome to the poetry part of tonight's episode. This is Mary's Ghost, a pathetic ballad by Thomas Hood. And I'll begin. Twas the middle of the night to sleep young William tried when Mary's ghost came stealing in and stood at his bedside. Oh, William, dear, oh, William, dear, my rest eternal ceases, alas, my everlasting peace is broken into pieces. I thought the last of all my cares would end with my last minute, but though I went to my long home, I didn't stay long in it. The body snatchers have come and made a snatch at me. It's very hard, them kind of men won't let a body be. I thought I was buried deep quite decent like and carry, but from her grave in Mary Bone, they've come and boned your Mary. The arm that used to take your arm is took to Dr. Vice, and both my legs are gone to walk the hospital at Guy's. I veiled you that should give, should have my hand, but fate gives us denial. You find it here at Dr. Bell's in spirits and a vial. As for my feet, 
the little feet you used to call so pretty. There is one, you know, in Bedford Row, to others in the city. I can't tell where my head has gone, but Dr. Carpoo can. As for my trunk, it's all packed up to go by Pickford's van. I wish you'd go to Mr. P and save me such a ride. I don't like the outside place. They've took my inside. The clock it crows. I must be gone. My William, we must part. But I'll be yours in death, although Mr. Sir Astley has my heart. Don't go to weep upon my grave and think I'll be there. They haven't left an atom there of my anatomy. So obviously what this poem was talking about is the ghost of William's wife who had died obviously and she was the victim of body snatchers who had taken various parts of her body and taken it to doctors where they used to perform live procedures and surgeries in front of, in front of medical students in all the name of science, of medical science, and this was a real thing that happened, especially, it was especially popular, I want to say, in the 19th and 18th centuries, and people would, doctors would even pay body snatchers to dig up graves, and, you know, look for anybody that was in pretty good or decent shape, so they could be taken back and used as a cadaver, basically. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And if you guys have ever seen, well, I hope you guys don't enjoy that. I hope you guys enjoy the poem that I read to you. But also I want to mention, if you ever see a picture floating around on the interwebs or, you know, on your Facebook or maybe even real life and you come across a cemetery with a grave in it, and the grave is all caged up, literally caged up in thick iron bars, you may think, oh my god, is that a vampire grave? It's not. Actually, if a grave was all caged up, it was usually meant to, to prevent body snatchers from digging up the grave, breaking into the crypt, or the coffin, I should say, or the casket, and stealing body parts or even jewelry. Or, I mean, sometimes I have seen a real-life vampire grave done by, you know, very paranoid and superstitious people. An example of that would be the Mercy Brown story. And if you guys want to hear that story, I've done a podcast about that about a year ago, year and a half ago. And if you guys want to listen to it, it's available in our catalog, and I would be very honored if you guys would give it a listen and tell me what you think. Alright, so that does it for this segment of tonight's episode. I will meet you guys in the outro. Thank you guys so, so much for joining me for tonight's episode. I hope you guys learned something new. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. If you haven't already, be sure to look through our catalog. We have many, many episodes available for you guys to listen to. 
and hopefully you can find something that interests you or scares you a little bit even. I think we've covered ghost stories, hauntings, demon possessions, um, Ed and Lorraine case files that they have worked on, we've talked about witches, we've talked about werewolves, um, vampires from folklore from all around the world. So hopefully you guys can find something that will please everybody that decides to give my little podcast a chance. And as usual, I'm Tori from Demond Paranormal, and right before we leave, I want to remind you guys that Demond Paranormal podcast is part of Demond Paranormal on Facebook.com. We're a private supernatural group that covers all things supernatural. And with that being said, I wish you guys a happy 2022-2022. I hope it's happy, healthy, wealthy, and I hope you guys feel lots of love and luck and just general happiness. That about does it for me. Until next Friday, I wish you guys a good night. Be kind to one another. Make good choices. Stay safe. And I will see you next week. And as always, stay spooky. Oh, and sweet dreams.